much land to claim. You've been following along with us. They've been they've accomplished what we saw was this claim that they have accomplished all the the land. Started Jericho and AI and had some challenges there, regrouped, got their focus back on the Lord, decided to separate and divide uh, and divide and conquer. Let's conquer the, the southern confederate of kings that were coming against them and took the south. And then they went against the north. And now they're into the giants' uh, lands. <laughs> All the giants, Anakims, and, uh, are going on. But we see an interesting thing here in chapter 13, 14, that God, after a period of time, reveals himself to Joshua, who, as we see in chapter 13, verse 1, now Joshua was old, advanced in years. So it's not like he was a spring chicken anymore, as we will see. He would be 85 at this point, as God is talking to him and hasn't forgotten him. So how long that time has been, but we see here that the Lord said to him, you are old, isn't that great? God doesn't hold back on telling you what reality is. <laughs> you, if you're old, he'll call you and let you know you're old and uh, make it real. He doesn't, he doesn't kid you and say, oh, you're not old, you're young, you know. He just No, he calls it the way it is, keeps it real. Advanced in years. So it wasn't just an emotion, I feel old this morning, or I feel old this evening. Oh, you don't know what my work's like, it's just I feel older than I really am. No, no, we clearly see that you are old and advanced in years, and there, reminds, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. <clears throat> I don't know, what's the, what's, the, what's the one thing you want to hear from the Lord at your end of your life? Are you sitting there waiting, Lord, speak to me and say, I'm ready to usher you in. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm ready to done. I'm, I'm 85. I'm well advanced in years. Yes, and I love you, Lord. And I've been serving you my whole life as a Christian. Oh, man, I'm older. I get to sit back. And you're just going to give me the comforts of life at the remaining of my time? Is that what you're talking to me, as Joshua would me say? You don't know God then. Because God is going to use you until he takes you out of here. There is a purpose and a plan for you regardless of your age. He's going to use you if you're a willing vessel for him. You don't sit there and serve as a Christian and say, oh, yeah, 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 I did that when I'm in my 20s. Yeah, 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 I served God in my 30s. Oh, I did that in the 40s. Oh, I can tell you what happened in the 50s and when I was 60. And 70, no, no, I'm 89. Oh, God can't use me now. I'm too old. Let the younger people have opportunities. Oh, no, no, no. I, I've done this children's ministry. I've done this ministry. I've done this ministry. I, I'm, I've done ministry. Let some other people have opportunity. You're not rightly thinking how God thinks. God says, I want to use you for, my, for a plan and purpose I have for your life all the way until I decide to take you home. Remember, if there's no purpose here, if you're, if you're done, you've shut down, and you why would God keep you here? Why would he not take you home early then? Then maybe that he wanted to, because he wanted to use you in such a powerful way, all the wisdom that he has given you of, at age 85 and what you could do to help the younger woman or a younger man in their early stages of walk. 
how God could use you? What about the prayer ministry and how God could use you? Is because you physically may not be able to do the many of the things, but boy, you could have the best ministry of a being a prayer uh, ministry, and you're just sitting there and you're meditating and just praying for people by name and by the ministries and everything. How powerful that is! But here we see that God came to Joshua keeping it real, said, I know you're old. I know you're advanced in years. So I'm taking that excuse away from you right up front when I'm about to tell you. So don't use that against me. Don't, don't try to tell me I'm old, I can't do these things. No, no, not this man, Joshua. God says, there's a, still much land yet to be possessed. There's, there's, a lot, there's much land to claim. You claim the majority, you've removed all the major barriers, but now the people have to go through the details and claiming all the parts of the land. All the cities, all every inch of the land, you're supposed to possess that land. As we know historically, Israel never did. But here we see God letting Joshua know that, I acknowledge you're old. But God still tells him about a job that needs to be done, and he comes to him. Why? Why is God coming to Joshua? Just because he was a leader? No, because he still was a willing vessel to serve God. He had no excuses in his life to say why he couldn't serve God. And that's who God uses. No matter how much we have done in our Christian lives, we must understand there still remains much to do for God. Much. And he's very specific. There's still much to do, Joshua. Can be no satisfaction with partial inheritance, Joshua. The land is your inheritance. You have not possessed it all. Why are you taking part of your inheritance? Why aren't you claiming all of the inheritance? It's like you were getting an inheritance and you saw the bank account. It's a million dollars. But you just go out there and possess half of it. Why are you going to leave the rest of the inheritance in there? Just to, to go to the enemy. Why don't, you, why don't you use that for the kingdom of God? So that's what God is saying to Joshua. God wants us to keep on pressing on what he has and what his plan is. To reach the lost, to encourage those in the faith, to do the things, the hard things that God is calling us to do for his, for his purpose. What the land was to Israel, Jesus is to us. We are to possess all of him, all of Jesus. To keep pressing on to have more of Jesus at a deeper relationship. Never being satisfied with just what you know. Or what you have done for Jesus. I'm saved. That's a good enough for me. No, God's calling us to press on. To claim more of him. To, to, to reveal more and more of him from his word. The question always comes down is how much Jesus do you have? How much of the Bible do you possess as yours? Do you walk in the blessings of leading others to Christ? Do you even have a desire to lead other people to Christ? 
much of your prayer life is there and how much of your prayers are being answered? How about meeting the needs of others in God's family who are there? Are you God using you to help them in their need? How about the, especially the, his agape love? Is that love, that fruit of the Spirit, bearing from your life? How much love, how much fruit do we see coming from your life? Does his life define you? Does his life dominate you? Does his life overflow from you, that agape love, and to touch the lives of people around you? Or just knowing him and knowing that you're saved, he's your savior, that's good enough. That's partial inheritance. You're not receiving all the inheritance that God has for you. We get so stuck sometimes on the knowledge of God, we never even grow in the love of God. We do everything about the doing, but never about resting and receiving and learning and growing. It's all about what I can get and never about anybody else. Here God says to Joshua, the land is your land. You must possess the rest of it. Are you ready to, to do the hard things? So we see in verses 2 through 6 there that this is the land that yet remains. And he describes this land from 2 to 6 of all of that in the, of the, of the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Jezerites uh, or the Sehor or, or this east of the Egypt as far as the border of Ekron northward. And it goes on and on, all of Lebanon and all of the Canaanite borders and all of down, oh, even up as high as Mount uh, Hermon and entrance into Hamath and the inhabitants of the mountains of Lebanon. All of that was still not possessed. It was still not claimed. Then we see at the end of verse 6, then I will drive out, God saying, I will drive out from before the children of Israel, only divided by the lot, of is to, lot to Israel as an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and the half a tribe of Manasseh. Start taking these nine tribes, nine and a half tribes, and make sure you start using the lots to divvy up the land so that they can possess this land, so that they can start conquering and, and controlling all of that land that they were given. Don't be settled for less. When God says, this is it, and you don't want to take it all of that because you're not willing to do what it takes, what God's telling you to do, because you don't have the faith or you don't want to bother yourself. You want the comforts of Christianity. You're just fine in your little corner. That's fine. Just don't mess with my little, my little corner, my little world that I want to create for myself. No, no, no. God says to them, this is the land still needs to be possessed. So now divide the land to Israel. Do the, use the lot methodology. That word in the, in the original language is like dice. There's a couple of different ways you can look at lots, but this one is, a, is like dice. It's like the, these like marble kind of things and how they roll out determines how they, do, you know, what lean toward God's will um, for that particular uh, incidence that they're throwing lots out for. In this case, let's throw the lots and see who's going to get this part. Okay, let's throw the lots here and that's okay. That next one goes to this, this tribe. 
But God promised, he says right there in the end of 6, verse 6, I will drive them. I will drive them out from before the children of Israel. So it's not like God wasn't in it still. It wasn't like that God wasn't going to still do the work. But remember, God does the work through his people. But God intended that each tribe should trust God in this and the portion of the land divided to them by the lot and that they were to possess and live in that land. Each tribe was responsible to possess their own land. They were to much that land that was given to them, much land to claim. And so God emphasizes the idea of personal responsibility and initiative. This is not only because this is how things are done. This is not the religious ritual that we do. But this is personal responsibility initiative that God is asking you and I to do for him. But we also see it's because it is how people are blessed in service. Many people don't and receive their full inheritance because they don't serve God and they don't receive the blessings from God for serving. They just want to be served, but them serving out, they're missing the entire aspect of the Christian living. We're blessed by personally taking responsibility and initiative in trusting God to do what he has called us to do for him. So always the question, what would hinder Joshua from doing what God's calling to do? It wasn't going to be age because God already claimed and said, I know you're 85. I know you're, you're old and I already know you're advanced in years. So how did Joshua respond to God when he says, you've got more work to do? You've got to divide the land, make sure the people get into that land. They start taking possession of the entire land. So Joshua, let's get, let's get going. You're a leader. You're not done. But, but wait, 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 wait. But God, look at what on my wall. I've got the plaque for this ministry and a plaque for this ministry and a plaque for this ministry. And I've racked up to all the plaque ministries to show where I've been serving you. I've gone to war. I don't need to do that anymore. I possess land. I've led the people. I've been a leader. I've been ahead of that. I've done all that. I'm older. Let the other people do it. I want to sit back and just get served now. I've been serving my whole life. And for, uh, for, I'm 85. Now I'm ready for someone to serve me. No, Joshua did not have that mentality. Because it's not godly. So we see in verse 8. With, we're seeing the lands uh, now really focused in on the, the land of the east side of the Jordan River. Look what happens. Here in verse 8 through 13, with the other half tribe of the Reubenites and the Gittites received their inheritance, which Moses had given them. Remember, Moses was a leader at the time. Moses agreed with in the fact that they could have these two and a half tribes possess the land on the east side of the, of the Jordan River. Eastward side, the beyond the Jordan River on the east side, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given them. From Eor, which is in the bank of the river of Arnon, to the town that is in the midst of the ravine, and all the plan of the Medaba, and as far as Debon, all the cities of Sion, king of the Amorites, 
who reigned in Hishbon as far as the border of the children of Ammon. Gilead in the border of the Jerusurites and the Machathites and all Mount Hermon and all the Bashan as far as Selka, all the kingdom of Og and Bashan who reigned in Ashtaroth and Ederai who remained, uh, who remained of the remnant of the giants and Moses had it defeated and cast out these. Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Jezreelites or the Macathites, but the Jezreelites and the Macathites dwelt among the Israels until this day. So they were still, they didn't do exactly what God asked them to do. They still allow these enemies and these foreign pagan worshipers to continue to intertwine and dwell within the, the, uh, the land of, uh, of the Israelites that are to, to possess. But these passages here in this, these verses describes that the portion of land divided among the Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, it was the land that they took and conquered. If you remember, they had to fight the king Sihon and of the Amorites and the king Og of Bashan. They fought them early on before they crossed over the Gordon River onto the west side. But they still allowed them to have full, some possession and still live. They didn't wipe them out completely. So these two and a half tribes chose to remain on the east side. It was their decision rather than crossing the, into the rest with the rest of the tribes into the promised land. Why? Well, if you remember the study on that, their decision wasn't based upon what was best for their family. They chose not to go and possess the land that God had promised them and compromise and only take what they believed was the best that they wanted. It wasn't best for their families. It was best from their cattle business or their bank accounts why they decided to stay on the east side of the Jordan River. But God didn't force them. No, no, no. You have to go into the promised land. You must go possess the land. You must dwell on that side. God said you should go. You need to go. That's, your, that's the promise the promise was not to stay on the east side. You chose because that's what you believed would be best for you and your family and your bank account. In this case, they saw the land and they saw it was great for their cattle. They could see it prospering. They're going to make a great living. Why would we go over there to the promised land and do the hard things and go to war? Well, they already went to the war and they won those against the two kings. Now we find that history shows that they were the first ones to be carried away by the enemies as they came in and started trying to t take over Israel. They were the very first uh, two and a half tribes to be conquered and taken away. Why? Because they were sitting ducks over there in the enemy territory. They had the enemy dwelling within them. Because they chose to compromise and not possess the promised land. They were willing, as they say, set back and just, I'm going to hang back, hang out back here. I'm just going to hang back and just watch everyone else going, we're just fine, I'm comfortable right here. That attitude, watch out. Occasionally hang around God's people. That's enough for me. Watch out. Eh, just listen a little bit on a Sunday occasionally. I don't really need to be in the Word myself personally and, and studying the Word and seeking after God. I, I do enough of that when I can have the time. Watch out. 
Not claiming everything that God has for you is, is a dangerous place to be. And they weren't willing to go and do what God's called them to do. See, God was, will not make me go in and go on in my walk with him. He will not force me to walk with him. The choice is up to me. The choice is up to you if you want to walk with God. But he will take me as deep as I want to go if I keep saying, God, I want to go deeper with you. I want to go, I want to go closer to you. I want to be used by you. I want to serve you. I want to worship you on a deeper level. I want you to re reveal yourself at a deeper level than ever before. When you ask that, he'll take you deep as deep as you want. But he won't take me one step further than I want to go. You're exactly right now where you are spiritually because you've decided that is as far as you want to go. Yes. As far as we want to go, that's as far as we're going to get. It won't take you another step further until you ask. Even though it says there's more inheritance, more land, much more land to, to claim. You go to the, the, go to the promised land, but these two, two and a half tribes said, no, mm -mm. this is far enough, this is enough experience. But he says, nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Jezerites or the Maccathites. Only two small tribes of people were, are, are, were not replaced by the Jewish tribes and settling on the east side. They let them dwell in there. But when you do that and you compromise, you always look at the scriptures to see, well, then what happened with those two tribes and Israel? As you continue to read the scripture, you always make that note. I wonder what's going to happen because there's going to be a consequence, right? So we know David later married a princess from the Jezur a Jesuit princess from the Jesuits, from that tribe, he married this princess. And she was the mother of his son Absalom, we see in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3. And Absalom returned to Jesur and used it as a place and a plot place against his father David. He went back to his mother's um, tribe to find security, to plot out, to go against his own and overthrow his own father, the king. And we see that in 2 Samuel 13, verse 37, 38, chapter 14 also. What about the Maccathites? Well, they come from the probably the Macca, the, the, the Macca uh, mentioned in Genesis 22, 24, who was a nephew of Abraham. Later, when Sheba rebelled against David, he fled and may have taken refuge in one of the cities of the Maccathites. See that in 2 Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. It's interesting how it plays out from our decisions and how things will play out in regards to, is that going to be for God or against God? We see in verse 14, what's interesting is we see all these tribes being these nine and a half tribes. We also see the two and a half tribes. They're all getting their land by lot, casting out. But what about, we see here, God highlighting that only in the, to the tribe of Levi, he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire at, after their inheritance, as he said to them. 
So Levi, the priestly tribe, was to receive no land, no territory. As everyone else got inheritance, they got land to be able to dwell and, and raise a tribe there, but not Levites. They were set apart, set aside to use for the purpose of God. We will see in Joshua 20 and 21, those chapters, they will be given cities to dwell in and the land within those cities to raise their farms and raise their food and take care of themselves. But they will not have possession of a land. He will, they'll dwell within the cities of each of the tribes for the purpose of God. Instead of the Levites, they had their inheritance in the offerings, the scripture says here. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire at their inheritance. They received food and they received you know, the compensation or they received what is for them to live through the sacrifice or the givings to the church or in givings to the temple. And as people gave to the temple through those sacrifices that is how they were receiving the offerings from Israel were brought to the Lord that's their financial security in Israel is by the giving from the people as they come and worship God that's how churches work people run a, have a building and have people to full time and be able to pour in and minister to people is through when you come to worship God and bring your sacrifices or your tithes or gifts your offerings that is what supports the ministry where you're being fed where you're coming to worship we see here in Joshua 15 through 23 we see broken down the Reuben's land and it's a lot of all the, the, the you know the diversity of, of, of the scope and the work and everyone has maps in our in our bible that shows all this land of what they think historically that was the land covering based on this but you can go through and see the land that Rubens has it verses 15 through 23 you can see through 24 to 25 the portion that gad's uh, land was taken and, and the inheritance that they received we see verses 29 through 32, we see that half of the portion of Manasseh and their inheritance and where that would lay out. But again in verse 33, but, the, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he said to them. We see in, back in verse 14 of Joshua 13, we are told that the Levites had no land inheritance. But it was the sacrifices that were brought to God. That they would receive a greater inheritance than just land. They would receive God himself as their inheritance as they served God in the calling or the purpose that God had upon their lives. So the Lord God of Israel was their inheritance. If there was any tribe that is more closely described that would be compared to a Christian's is the Levites. That's spiritually connected to it is the tribe of Levi. We were also called priests in 1 Peter 2.5. The Levites were called priests. They had a special inheritance in God, Ephesians 1.11, Colossians 
1 Peter 1.4. There is a special inheritance in God as a child of God. They too, as Levites, had a special inheritance in God. But notice at the very end of verse 33, and God had said to them, God said to the Levites. See, many of us are dissatisfied. Dissatisfied with our place before God. We wish he would give us something different to do. That we can even get a little bitter toward God if God doesn't give you what you want. But asking you and giving you a calling and abilities and gifts to do something different than what you desire. But the primary answer to this is to see ourselves as priests, just like Levites. To understand that our real inheritance is God himself. That is our inheritance. Many people will go out and try to get an inheritance or possess things for this world now, but it's all going to burn. It's all going to go away. It's not of no long-term value. But as a child of God, as you serve God, and there's an inheritance that is in God that is for eternal. But most Christians don't see your life from an eternal perspective. You're just like the rest of the world. You think just temporal perspective. And we're not to think that way. Just like the Levites, we're not to think like the rest of the tribes where you get land and you build this land, have lots of a huge tribe and lots of animals and, and you just live for God. But no, no, the Levites were called by God to be, and that God was their inheritance and that God, they poured their lives into serving others. And so all these verses, 24 through 33, Describes the whole region given to Gad and Reuben and half of the, of the tribe of Manasseh. But make sure you note this. I, and I, I just had to stop and really start thinking this. Because sometimes you can go to the negative about Gad and Reuben and, and this half a tribe of Manasseh. And say, they really messed up. And yet, yes, they did. There are going to be consequences for them not to possess and claim all the land that God had for them on the promised land. Even though they chose not to step into the Jordan River and press into the promised land. But they were still part of God's family. They were still part of the congregation of God. But they chose not to live fully for God in the place that God had for them. They didn't possess the full inheritance. But they didn't change that they were still God's family. We see now in verse uh, chapter 14... We see that the western land is now divided. We see that there, these are the areas of which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the families of the tribes of the children of Israel dis 
distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded, by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and and the half tribe. So in this process, Joshua and Eliezer had representation there and all of, of, the, of all the tribes, of all the leaders, and they did the glad so everyone knew it was fair and, and equal and all these things as they divided the land that they needed to do. Had a plan. God had a plan, and they were to work that plan and do that plan according to what God said to do. Just like God has a wonderful plan for you. It may be boring, and from other people's perspective, that's all you're doing for God? Oh, that's boring. What, is that all he's called you to do? And, and for other people, it's boring. But for you, it's exciting because you're, doing, you're in the will of God. You're doing exactly what God's called you to do. It's your utmost importance to know what, the, what land or what God has given to you. What spiritual gift or gifts he's given you and to be able to do those things. And whatever it is, you're going to be so content and happy. Others may have a different perspective because they don't understand. But you know you are doing exactly what God has given you. You're you're in the place in the body of Christ doing what God's called you to do. And you know it without a shadow of a doubt. And there's such peace and such joy. Everyone's like, aren't you exhausted? Aren't you this and aren't you that? No, I'm not. Because God empowers me to do what he's calling me to do. And there's an excitement. I wish I could do more for God. Is that how you feel right now in serving God? Where you're filled with joy and just excited about what God is doing through your life to serve others? To serve him? You know you're in the will of God? And you have such a heart to know God's will for your life. And you're doing it. Well, we find Joshua is exactly like that. We see in verse 3 and through 5, For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half a tribe of the other side of the Jordan, but to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in with their common lands and their and for their livestock and their and for their property as the Lord had commanded Moses so the children of Israel did and they divided the land many times it gets confusing for some people if you're not following along and understand this this important point is that you say okay there's 12 sons there's 12 tribes I've got that but why does this why does it add up to 13 why is this something's not how does that come in and, and why are now the land? And Well, you have to understand that 12 tribes of Israel were actually 13 because though they were 12 sons of Jacob, his other name, Israel, one of his sons, Joseph, actually there was a division there of two tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim, creating 13 actually tribes. But as they give it out the land, it's still only 12 tribes getting the land. Why? Because Levites never got land. They just got cities within the land. So it still was the 12 territories that they had to possess or to claim. And that explains why we can have two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan 
and nine and a half tribes on the west side of the Jordan and one tribe with no land as their inheritance. Now here in verse six through nine, we see Caleb popping back into the play here. I like Caleb. I love the story of Caleb here, especially in these verses. And he's bold. I like Caleb because he remind, remembers jo, uh, Moses' promise that God uh, you know, was <laughs> using Caleb and Joshua in a mighty way when, in, the, in the traveling across the desert and, uh, and uh, initially looking to go into the promised land. Look, at, it's here in verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal and, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. He's like, Joshua, dude, buddy, remember how God used the two of us with the other 10 dudes and the 12 of us went up in there to go scout out things and see what God wanted to do for the promised land? Remember that? And we came back. He's reminding him, don't forget that. We're old, but I haven't forgotten what happened back 45 years ago. I was 40 years old. Remember when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea, a spy out of the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart? Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart we, with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trotted shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Do you remember, Joshua? Because I haven't forgotten. And you were with me at that point. So here, things are settling down. Caleb comes in and he's reminded, I get to choose this land. I get land here. I was one of the 12 spies who went out and scouted out. Remember, you and I came back. Remember some 45 years ago, we came back and we knew this was what God was going to do in our lives. And the tribe, the, his people were all going to go and possess this, prop, this promised land. But 10 of them caused people to have fear and their hearts melted. And they went with the fear versus went with the promise of God. Do you remember those days, Joshua? God was going to do great things through us to go and conquer the land and be, take the possession of the land. And then all these people that we knew, all of our brothers and sisters had all this unbelief and they died in the wilderness. you remember watching them die one after another daily by the flocks every day for the next 40 years? Do you remember that? But what he brought up was I remember that the promise of God that I would get the land if I was still alive and he was still alive. Caleb was still alive. He came back with a great report. He came back of a report of faith. Yes, God, this is what you have for us. Even though there's giants and everything else, we know you are going to give this land because you said so. See that in Numbers chapter 13 verses uh, 26 through chapter 14 and verse 9, if you want to go back and read that. The other faithful spy, remember Joshua, was you. You were the other one. 
that came back with the same faithful report that God is going to give this land to us and we're going to go in. See, the only ones of age at this time of the rejection who actually got to enter the promised land was Joshua and Caleb. How were they able to go in to that land? Because of faith. They were the faithful spies. They were the faithful ones. That's how they were able to enter the promised lands by faith. So it's fitting. Here Judah is the first tribe to receive the allotment on the west side. And here Caleb is the first among the people of Judah to receive their inheritance. Here he is. He is excited. So Caleb calls Joshua back to the promise that Moses made to them in Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 35 through 36. When Caleb says, I wholly, completely, without a doubt, wholly followed the Lord my God. He's not being proud to make that statement. He's just quoting what Moses said to him, that you are wholly committed to following God. That's a leader telling him. He wasn't self-claiming that. Moses could see in his life that he was wholly devoted to the Lord. And there we receive promise. And we find, we see even today, we recognize that the most successful people are those who have wholly given themselves over to something. The question is for you and I, for me, is are we wholly given ourselves over to the following the Lord? We pick up here in verse 10. And now behold, the Lord had kept me alive. And he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke these, this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this morning of which the land spoke in that day. For you heard in that day that the Anakim was there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron, Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance and Hebron, Therefore became the inheritance of, the, of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Genizite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel, and the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath Erba. Erba was the greatest man among the Anakim, then the land he had, then the land had rest from war. What a beautiful part at the end of here of chapter 14, Caleb saying and reminding 
because of his heart for God and serving God and, and doing that. Josh, you remember those days? We did this together. We're continue. God has allowed me to continue to live for this moment when the ready to divide the land and take the possession of the land. I get to be the one that I get to pick this land here. And I could have easily said, Give me the land on the Mediterranean. I want to build something right on the ocean. It's going to be beautiful. Sand, beautiful weather. It's going to be great. He didn't pick that. Oh, let me go into the nice high desert where it's dry, like Arizona. It's dry heat. And it's going to be a beautiful little place there. I can have it right up there in Masad, like up a nice little place, looking over the valley and the, the beautiful Dead Sea at the time. Oh, what a paradise. No, no, he didn't choose that. How about a little island in the middle of somewhere else? No, no, he didn't choose that. No, he said, send me to the hardest place where the giants live. And I am 85 and I'm as strong as I was when I was, went to war with them at, when I was 40. And I'm going to, if God's with me, I'm going to take them out. And he's going to possess that mountain range, that whole area where all the giants live. And he did. And he did. So God wasn't calling Joshua just to sit back. He wasn't even calling Caleb to sit back in the old age. He was calling them to continue to serve God in hard ways and at hard times. To claim all the land. All the inheritance of the land that God had promised them. And it means that God was with them as he was doing it. He didn't just let, say, I'm, it's not, I'm done with you guys. You do whatever you want. No, I'm going to allow you to take you and empower you to possess the entire land. And Caleb said, God has given me life, kept me alive. And now, 45 years later, I am as strong and as healthy as I was back in my 40s. And I'm ready to go do hard things for God still. I want everything that God has for me. Everything he's promised me. I'm not going to sit back and do nothing. And just take it easy. What, a, what an amazing, beautiful, beautiful moment here. And this is how God wants us to be in our spiritual life as well. As we advanced in years, growing older, but never weaker in Jesus. We're going to grow physically older, but we should never be growing weaker in our passion for Jesus and our passion to serve our Savior. We should be even more wiser and more bold and more in faith to do greater things for God as he leads us. Not look for some easy path. Oh, I hope that is me. I hope as I get older, it's, I'm more bold, more faith, more energy, more strength to do for God than I am ever before. Because I want everything that God has for me. I want to inherit everything that he has for me. I don't know what that is. I just want whatever it is. Let him just keep revealing it to me. May I have the faith continue to do it. And live by faith and not by sight. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you for incredible examples of godly men like Joshua and Caleb. In their 40s, seeing and experiencing all these things. 
and all the death and all the, the miracles and incredible things that God you did through these two men and Moses, their leader prior to that. And now I'm going into the promised land and seeing the kind of the end of their life and the end promises of your word being fulfilled. Oh, Lord, how exciting for us to read your word and see your promises fulfilled and more promises to come and the prophecies that are to be fulfilled, especially for you coming back for us, taking us home and dwelling with you in heaven and dwelling with you eternity, coming back to, to earth with you. And oh, Lord, there's so many things ahead of us. May we have the strength, physical strength, the, the, the spiritual faith, the strength and spiritually to do the great things that God, you want to do in and through us. For us, it's just incredible things, but for others, it may say, oh, that's a little something. That's a little no nothing, a little bit of something. But that's great for us because that is what exactly what you asked us to do. You called other people to do other things. And other people have other hard things that would require faith from each of us to serve you. May you deepen our faith, Lord, for you. Our passion to serve you. To get rid of all the excuses that would hinder us. To be able to claim all the much land that you have for us. Whatever that is, today and the days to come, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.